where do we see God? I wonder where you've seen God this week. I've seen him in the faith, the the hope of people I've spoken to. I've seen him in creation as I've walked and run along the path near the beach. I've seen him in the laughter in my home and sometimes in the tears. I've seen him in the kindness of people who love me and in the kindness of strangers. Where have you seen God? Jesus says in John 17 that God would be seen when we, his people, are one. God is seen in unity. Unfortunately, today in the world, Christians are not always the most unified people around. In fact, I believe that one of our weaknesses, one of our vulnerabilities, perhaps the greatest obstacle to being the church that God wants us to be is division in the body of Christ. Well, our Salvation Army in Australia is calling us, as you heard, to to prayer, to 22 days of prayer. And the emphasis that is being placed on this season of prayer is that we, as a Salvation Army, would be a unified movement, working in harmony as we seek to serve God's purposes. And that because of our oneness with God and because of our unity as believers, others will see God in and through us. So today, at the launch of this three-week focus as a territory on prayer, We're going to take a look at the prayer the Apostle Paul prayed that is very, very close to the prayer Jesus prayed in John 17. If Paul prayed it and Jesus prayed it, then I certainly want to be praying this prayer as well. It really addresses this very important theme of the family of God being unified. Because as the theme for the territorial prayer focus says, God is seen when we are one. So Romans 15 verses 5 to 7, here's his prayer. He says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. In other words, would you treat each other like Jesus would treat you? Would you, would you think about each other like Jesus thought about you? Would you love each other like Jesus loved you? I want want you to have the same attitude of mind. This is his prayer towards each other that Christ Jesus had. Why? So that with one mind and with one voice, you may glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says in verse seven, and we'll come back to this in just a little while. He says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. In order to do what? He says, when you do this, you bring praise to God. If you want to glorify God, if you want to bring praise to God, what we do is we treat each other as Christ treated us. We accept each other as Jesus has accepted and loved us. As I said, this prayer is very consistent with the prayer Jesus prayed that our territory is looking at over these next three weeks. And I want to read this to you as well from John chapter 17. He says, I pray also for those who believe in me through the message that that all of them may be one. Why? So that they may, may be brought to complete unity. May they all be one that we as the family of God would be unified. Then Paul says, sorry, Jesus says, the world will know God that you sent me. And I've and have loved them as even as you have loved me. Paul prayed for unity. Jesus prayed for this same unity so that God would be glorified and the world would know that God sent Jesus to reach a lost and a broken world. I ask myself, well, why is this so important to God? And then I think of my home. I'm a parent of now three adult children and they get along pretty well most of the time and we love being together most of the time. 
Okay, so five adults living together in this extended COVID lockdown is proving a little challenging some days, but I think more so when they were younger. And, and when I think about that, I start to better understand why our Heavenly Father values love and unity so much. I've shared with many of you before that, that there was not always a lot of love in the back seat of our car. They would complain about being too squishy and who was taking over whose space. And I found myself saying things as a parent I never thought I would say, like, can't you just get along? Don't make me pull this car over. I will pull this car over if you don't stop that right now. Do you want to walk the rest of the way? Or even as we were pulling in, in downstairs in the church car park, let, let's be honest, there'd be words such as, stop this now before we get out of the car and go to church. What will people think? You know, my kids can sometimes be at odds, as I've said, but watch out if someone outside our family has words with one of them. Watch how quickly they unite if they know I'm upset over something someone has said to me. You'll never see them unite quicker than when they have a common enemy. They might argue between themselves, but if they have a common, common enemy, just watch how they stick up for each other and they unite. A common enemy brings them together. Well, friends, we have an enemy. Why is it that we fight so often in the body of Christ? Well, tragically, I think it's because we think that the Christians down the street are the enemy or we think the person sitting next to us or used to sit next to us in church or across the room are the enemy. But we are not the enemy. And it's only when we recognise that we have a common enemy that we will be united. We are fighting for freedom for all people from everything that can crush the human spirit. We need to recognise that we have an enemy whose mission is to steal, kill and destroy, to steal the unity in the family of God, to kill the power that unity brings, to destroy the credibility of the local church that stands up together for Jesus. When we stand together, we can do infinitely more for the glory of God than we can apart. This is why we pray. We pray that we will be unified. Why? So that God can be glorified and the world will know that He sent Jesus. The whole world would know Jesus. That's our mission. So I want to encourage you to make this an ongoing part of your prayer life, praying for unity in our church, in the church of God, in general, always, but especially for the next three weeks. Take time, use the resources that have been given to us to unite for prayer and to pray for unity. I want to give you three reasons why we pray for unity from, from Paul's prayer in Romans 15. We, we pray for unity firstly, because we desperately need each other. We desperately need one another in the family of God. Paul said it this way to the church in Rome. He said, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. In other words, the hand is not the ear and the ear is not the foot and the foot is not the esophagus. We, we all have separate parts and they all work together. They all have a special function and without one another, we are very incomplete apart from apparently the appendix, which is not essential as my son found out a few weeks ago. But this is the body of Christ. We all belong to each other. We're a part of a broader family and we're different by design. We need to understand this about unity. Unity is not the same as uniformity. We actually have strengths in our differences. 
It's in our difference that it gives us the ability to reach many and varied people. There is such variety in our churches, isn't there? Small churches are effective in ways that big churches can't be. And the big churches are effective in ways the small churches can't be. Different churches have different strengths, capture the hearts of different people. And so as the broader church, we need to speak well of other churches, other ministries, other movements. We need to speak well of other denominations. When we have brothers and sisters in other parts of the world being beheaded, what we need to understand is that they need us. And I know for sure that we need them. We need perspective and we need to pray. We need to be aware. When we recognise that we have an enemy who is doing that to our own, we recognise we're part of a bigger family. Followers of Jesus in Uganda, in Nepal, followers of Jesus all over Europe and South Africa. Some are rich, most are poor. They speak every different language you can imagine from every ethnic background possible, from more denominations than we can even name. Yet we all worship one God, one Saviour. We need each other. Therefore, we pray. We don't just hope, we don't just wish, we don't just do nothing about it. We pray for unity in the family of God so that God would be glorified and the world would know that God sent Jesus. Why do we do this? We do this because we truly, desperately need each other, Paul says. And secondly, the second reason we do this is so that the world will see God's love. When we are unified as the family of God, the world sees demonstrated the active love of Jesus and His family. I love the imagery in um, Romans 15 verse 7. When Paul, along with his prayer, he says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another just as Jesus accepted you. In fact, the Greek word translated into this English word or English language to accept, it's a long Greek word. It's coming up on the screen now. I'm not going to try and pronounce it because I would butcher it. But it's this very picturesque word. It's a beautiful word. It carries with it this image of when you accept someone, you receive them into your arms and you embrace them. You take them in. Then the word carries this idea that you walk hand in hand with a brother or sister. How did Christ accept us? While we were still sinners, Christ accepted us. Before we agreed, before we are perfect, which we still aren't, before we had everything together, He accepted us. He embraced us. He walked with us. That's what we're to do with other followers of Jesus. You may be different. Maybe you have a different focus, a different emphasis, a different style. But we accept one another hand in hand. We walk together. And when we do this, then our reputation is going to change. Instead of the body of Christ, the church, Christians, being known for what they're against, oh, they're against that, or they're against that, they're against them. Instead of being known for what we're against, then by the grace of God, we will be known for what we are for. We are for people, all people experiencing the grace and love of Jesus. When we love and when we accept one another, we're well on the way to doing that. In fact, Jesus couldn't have said it more clearly in John chapter 13, 34 and 35. He said, a new command I give to you. As, you, as I have loved you, so you must do what? So you must love one another. Verse 35, so powerful. By what? By what will you be known? Notice he didn't say you'll be known by your right doctrine, right? He didn't say by your denominational preference or by your music style, by the Bible reading or the the correct version of the Bible. No, he said this, by the way you love each other. 
everyone will know that you are my disciples by the way you love each other. That's why we pray. We believe God hears and answers our prayers. We know our prayers matter. We know that this type of love, this type of acceptance is hard and doesn't come naturally. But we believe that if we humble ourselves and seek God and pray, He hears our prayers and He answers. So why are we praying for unity? We pray for this because we need each other. We pray for this because the world needs to see God's love and and we'll see God's love when we're unified. And thirdly, lastly this morning, we pray for unity because with unity, we can do infinitely more together. This image might be familiar to you. It's one of the favourite stories to come out of the recent athletics at the Olympic Games. The final event of the men's decathlon, the, the 1500 metre run, Australian Cedric Dubler, was, he was out of medal contention. So he put all his energy into pacing and encouraging his teammate, Ashley Maloney. Maloney was in third place heading into that final event, but was only just ahead of the fourth place scantling from the USA. Maloney was feeling the pinch in what was this last of the 10 events, but Dubler encouraged him and helped pace his training partner. Maloney finished with a bronze for Australia and set an Australian record for the decathlon. But with a lap to go, this is a background story, with a lap to go in the 1500 metres, Dubler can be seen yelling at Maloney to lift. Maloney said about Dubler, I could hear his voice bouncing in my cranium like a bat out of hell. And Dubler says, he had me worried for a little bit. Then I just started screaming at him and we got there. Dubler gave up his own race for the good of the overall goal in that moment, which was Australia getting a medal. These guys had trained together. Sure, they both wanted to win, but when it came to the crunch, they knew what was needed from each of them in that moment. If there was any hope in winning a gold medal for Australia, it was by focusing on the goal. It was by uniting. And so when Maloney was losing hope, his teammate sacrificed his own goals to bring him hope, to shout him hope. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. It should be the hope of the world. And we can do infinitely more together than we can apart. Looking out for the greater good is what we need to do. This was the heartbeat and attitude that made the first century church thrive. Think about it. What did they have? No buildings, no online ministries, no fundraisers. And think about what they had against them. Massive persecution. People weren't just Facebooking something bad about a pastor. It wasn't just media doing a negative write-up in the paper about a church. They were taking the lives in droves of those who said, we believe Jesus was risen from the dead. Yet this little band of non-educated, first century, passionate Jesus followers spread the gospel all over the world. They were known throughout the community as people that said, we may not believe in what they believe in, but look at how they love each other. The way they stand together, the way they're united is something I've never seen before. In Acts chapter 4, Luke described it in this way. He said that all the believers were one. They were one in heart and mind. In other words, they were unified. No one claims that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. That's big. So if they saw a need, they'd give to whoever was in need. And let me show you the result of this crazy kind of unified love. Verse 33 says, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Do you see the power in that kind of unity? Think about the sceptics. Think about if we acted like this, what would people say? 
I don't know about the whole Jesus thing and that whole rise from the dead thing. And, and I don't know about all that. But oh man, do you see how Christians treat people? How loving they are? Do you see how they forgive one another? Do you see how they take care of their own and how generous they are with us? See, I'm going to argue all day long that the world is sick and tired of hearing about the love of Jesus. They want to see it. They want to see what it looks like. And how will they see it? They'll see it in the way we love one another. And that's why we pray. We pray. This is not a benefits me prayer. This is a prayer for the family of God. Let's be a church praying for unity, standing together, not taking shots at each other, but believing that God has called us to be part of His family. A higher calling with a higher purpose to serve our higher God. So as we listen to a song now written and recorded, especially for this prayer focus in our territory, I invite you to do two things. Firstly, would you commit to pray for unity? For at least the three weeks, but I think this should be the prayer of every Jesus follower always, to commit to pray for unity. And secondly, would you be an answer to your prayer when necessary? Would you listen to God and His promptings? And would you say yes? Would you obey where He leads you to do something to show God's love? God bless you each.